new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning. It's Wednesday, August 11th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Today on the College Football Daily, we are talking to David Johnson, publisher of OM Spirit, the Ole Miss site for 24-7 sports. We're talking about the Rebels who have very high expectations in 2021. Buyer beware, or is Lane Kiffin's squad legit? I kind of lean toward legit, but again, I just I, I did just wrap with David, and I always suffer from a little recency bias when I hear one of our great experts talk about the team they cover. It's a per- Perfect time to do the Ole Miss episode as we get through every single Power Five program on the across the country with the College Football Daily playlist on Spotify. So we had to talk Ole Miss, and then I also wanted to loop in a little USA Today coaches poll top twenty-five and the fact that Ole Miss was ranked and the last team to be ranked uh, that made it perfect. I'll read out the the top twenty-five for you. I'm sure you could just Google it and find it, but I might as well do that. A little extra bonus to be a great podcast listener. Alabama was number one with 63 first place votes. Clemson was number two. This was interesting though. Number three was Oklahoma with two first place votes for Ohio State, five Georgia, six Texas A&M, seven Notre Dame, a little high for me, eight Iowa State, nine North Carolina, 10 Cincinnati, 11 Florida, a little high for me, 12 Oregon, 13 LSU. I actually like that for LSU, 14 USC, 15 Wisconsin. I was going to say that's high for me, but we're getting to the point where these teams are all pretty similar. 16 Miami, Florida, 17 Indiana, low for me, 18 Iowa, 19 Texas, no comment, 20 Penn State. I could see why this would be high. For some who don't like Sean Clifford, I could see it it being low for those who look at the rest of Penn State. 21 Washington, don't sleep on them. 22 Oklahoma State, that might be a little bit high for me, unless Spencer Sanders figures out the turnovers. As far as Big 12 teams go, I think I'd like TCU more than Oklahoma State. 23 Louisiana, Billy Napier's Raging Cajuns deserve to be in the top 25. Coastal Carolina is number 24. They probably think they should be higher. They returned so many people, including head coach Jamie Chadwell and quarterback Greg. Jason McCall. I like the spot for them though. I don't think they're going to catch up on any or sneak up on anybody. And then 25, Ole Miss. Who just missed a vote? Utah, Northwestern, Arizona State. That's, that's that's my analysis for the coaches poll. Let's hear David Johnson talk about the Ole Miss Rebels. David Johnson joins us right now. It's perfect timing, David. We needed to do an Ole Miss episode and the USA Today coaches poll came out on Tuesday, and Ole Miss was the final team to crack the top 25. So this is just a perfect confluence of events. Were you surprised that the coaches ranked the Rebels? You know, I I don't think I was surprised, Trey, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, this is a team that everybody saw last season, what they can do on the offensive side of the football. You know, Sands Elijah Moore, all of that firepower is back. You've got Matt Corral that some people are talking about as a you know, maybe a, a dark horse Heisman contender in the preseason. You've got an all-SEC running back in Jerry Ely. And despite not having Elijah Moore on that roster, that wide receivers room is very, very deep. And they're running behind a quality offensive line. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Ole Miss on offense alone kind of sells itself. The big question mark, obviously, is on the defensive side of the football and whether or not they can improve a unit that was 126 out of 127 in total defense last year. 
Lane Kiffin said at SEC Media Day is that the defense will be better really because it has to be. But I wonder, it's kind of like the old Oklahoma argument, David. We'd say, oh, well, the Sooners will have a better defense this year. And yeah, no kidding. They were, I mean, Ole Miss, you know, in the 120s, you're going to be better than that. The averages would say, what do you think are realistic expectations, though, for Ole Miss on the defensive side of the football, knowing that Kiffin probably prefers to win games in a shootout fashion anyway? Yeah, I do think this this defense is going to be better. I think we saw flashes of that back in the spring. You know, when you look at the new faces, new personnel out there, you know, you can start off with Otis Reese, uh, the the transfer safety from Georgia. Reese only played in the last two ball games last year, and they were significantly better with his presence in there. You know, he's got a full season ahead of him. Jake Springer, a rover type player that transferred in from the Naval Academy, Maryland linebacker. Chance Campbell transferred in over the offseason. He earned honorable mention Big Ten honors there last year for the Terrapins. And then, you know, you get in the defensive trenches, and they've already got a guy who is a notable pass rusher in Sam Williams up there on the front. But they signed the number one and number two ranked junior college defensive tackles in America per the 247 Sports Composite in Isaiah Eiton and Jamon Gordon. It's critical that those guys arrive out of the package ready. But if all of that falls into place and the fact they return eight starters off that defense last year, so their maturity level is extremely high. There's a lot of veteran leadership and a lot of guys that have played a lot of football games on that defensive unit. In a lot of ways, it looks like the perfect storm for for, for, for the Ole Miss defense to show some great improvements. Seems like we've been saying that around here for the last five years or so, that it couldn't be any worse than last year, and we, get, we, we keep getting proven wrong. And uh, for me, you know, seeing is going to be believing. I'm anxious to see what they look like against Louisville with a, with a pretty athletic playmaking quarterback on September the 6th in Atlanta. When you were doing the newcomer defensive lineman, I was hoping you were going with Taiwan Malone, the, the freshman. <laughs> Yeah, Taiwan Malone is certainly somebody that they would love to count on this year. To be honest with you, of course, he had the knee injury in high school. And first two days of fall camp, he has been out there, but in a non-contact jersey and with a knee brace on the right knee. I talked to defensive coordinator DJ Durkin about Taiwan earlier today, and Durkin tells me that they're just being careful. They're taking a cautious approach, trying not to rush him, and that he should be full go at some point during this camp. Let's go back to the offense. It's more fun. I uh, Every time I get on Twitter, I think I see highlights of Elijah Moore doing something at yeah. Jets practice. Who is, you mentioned he's really the only guy gone on the offensive side of the football. Who do you think has next, David? This is an Ole Miss program that, despite mm-hmm. any record, is just churning out NFL pass catchers. Who's got next? And, and if you want to go Jerry on Ely as the centerpiece of the offense, you can too, but I'll leave that open to your interpretation. Well, we'll start with Ely. I mean, you know, he is an all-SEC caliber player. There's no doubt about that. A very talented running back, but he's really more of an all-purpose back. And you're going to see that, I think, this season. Uh, You're going to see Jerrion Ely move out to the slot a good bit to try to take up the loss of production from Elijah Moore's departure. You're also going to see John Rice Plumley. I mean, there's a name from 2019 for you. Guy, as a quarterback, rushes for more than 1,000 yards in the SEC. Uh, the last couple of days of practice, Plumley has taken reps exclusively in the slot. So I think I think that's going to be a permanent move there. I'm not going to take off the table the, the idea that John Rice Plumley will have packages at quarterback. I think he will. He's a very special talent with the football in his hand. Also think, you know, if the season started tomorrow, John Rice Plumley would be quarterback two. 
on the Ole Miss roster behind Matt Corral, just simply based upon his experience. But, uh, you know, next receiver up, the guy that I would be watching is Braylon Sanders. Sanders is, has has kind of been a, a yeoman over his career. He's faced a lot of injuries and everything. But if you look, the kid averaged well over 20 yards per catch last season, still in an injury-plagued year, but he's healthy. And uh, hopefully he's going to stay healthy. And he and Matt Corral seem to have a really good chemistry going. So when you're talking about a big play receiver in that Ole Miss offense this year, I'd start with Braylon Sanders. Not to take anything away from the production in the slot that a Jerry Neely or John Rice Plumley could do from there. But out on the edge, Braylon Sanders. You also have Dontario Drummond, Jonathan Mingo. It, yeah, the loss of Elijah Moore is, is certainly something to keep in mind. But this wide receivers room is not void of talent any shape, form, or fashion. As a matter of fact, not only is there talent there, there's a lot of depth at that position, Trey. So I, I get that the the Lane Kiffin we see on Twitter is different than the Lane Kiffin you cover. What is he doing with the expectations this fall? Do you think he's embracing this top 25 idea? Do you think he's doing the whole rat poison thing? I just think it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, is is yeah. it rat poison? Is rat poison. I mean, it's kind of funny. We were sitting in uh, the press conference with Chris Partridge, who serves as co-defense coordinator with DJ Durkin here earlier today, when those USA Today rankings came out. And of course, somebody's looking at Twitter and that's the next question they're going to ask Partridge. He didn't hesitate. Before the guy got the question out of his mouth, he said, rat poison, rat poison. Next question, rat poison. Uh, They're not paying attention to that stuff. It doesn't matter. You know, it's all about, you know, whether or not you win or lose on any particular Saturday. And, uh, you know, their focus is, is becoming better, not only better defensively, but I think better on the offensive side of the football. I mean, you know, this is kind of a Frankenstein offensive monster that Lane Kiffin and Jeff Lebby have assembled here in Oxford. And I think they're adding parts and pieces. I think this offense, if you thought it was dynamic last year, I think it's really going to catch your attention this coming season as those two enter year two together, bouncing ideas off one another. And, uh, you know, they know their talent a lot better this year. I mean, COVID made made 2020 unorthodox for us all, particularly a coaching staff that Kiffin put together, you know, from all corners of the country. And these guys had never worked together before for the most part. Now they know each other. They understand each other. There is a synergy that has been established. I think particularly on the offensive side of the ball between Kiffin and Levy, I think they know each other's thoughts and I'm excited to see what they're going to look like this fall. I love the Frankenstein uh, terminology there and Hey, with, with four starters returning on the offensive line, that probably a little bit easier to add some stuff. I'm going to throw the expectations question back onto you though, David, you're as a publisher of a, of a, of a website, you're sort of the ambassador to the fans. They start one and four last year. They finished five mm-hmm. and five. It is remarkable how quickly they have come. I don't know if you have any fans expecting an SEC West dark horse. I, 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 I'm sure you actually do. Uh, I'm sure you have fans saying yeah. number two in the SEC West, and then you probably have the more realistic fans. Where are you falling with that in the pecking order? And then what would be your cautionary, your, your note of caution to try to pump the brakes and say, hey, we're still in year two and last year hardly even counts. Yeah. You know, when I turned in my SEC media days ballot, I picked them third behind Alabama, behind Texas A&M. And I, and I think that's about right. This is a football team that could, they could win 10 games. But I think on the, on the floor of that equation, this is a football team that could, could struggle to win six. You know, last year was great at Ole Miss. Five and five, 
and you got to go to the Outback Bowl, which made it feel like, uh, you know, you had really, really accomplished something. But five and five, still five and five. This was a five and five football team last year that lost to Arkansas along the way, by the way. So, you know, I, I think you've got to start there when you're talking about expectations. But I do believe that, you know, they would have won several more games last year if the defense had performed better. There's better talent on the defensive side of the ball that I think is going to enable them to win a few more games this year and then with a break or two, possibly a lot more games this year. But, you know, it's not a stretch to say this is a 10-win team that could challenge somebody for maybe the number two spot in the West. We're talking about the SEC West and nothing's, nothing's given in that division from top to bottom. We all know that. You know, with a break or two and the defense solidifying early in the season and given that high-powered offense the opportunity to win some shootouts, as, as you said, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a high ceiling for this team. And I think everybody here knows it. I think those are similar expectations nationwide, you know, evidenced by them being ranked in the top 25 today, that uh, everybody's excited to watch what this program's going to look like in year two under Lane Kiffin, who's a lightning rod. Everybody loves to follow Lane Kiffin. And, um, you know, there are going to be a lot of eyes on this program, but the expectations here on the ground are sky high. You stole my exit. I was going to say, David, we're all at least excited to watch, you know, regardless of what the final win loss is. I think Ole Miss is getting to be must-see TV for the diehard college football fans and even some casuals. It all starts Monday night, September 6th against Louisville and Atlanta. David Johnson, we appreciate you joining us. Anytime, Trey. Thank you for having me on. Thanks to David for joining us. He was at Ole Miss practice for like four hours on Tuesday. He said he was glad we didn't do the podcast on video because he was in the hot Mississippi sun uh, all day. And and he was telling me Ole Miss allows them to watch all of practice, which I think is pretty cool. Anyway, I'm really excited uh, to watch those uh, those Ole Miss Rebels this fall. Matt Corral, Jerry on Ely. Can the defense be any better? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, even David seemed like he wasn't sure about that, but uh, we know the offense is going to score points, and when you can do that, you've got a chance. For our producer, Lance Glenn, my name is Trey Scott. Have a great day. We'll talk to you on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!